This is React Podcast. I'm Chantastic. This week on React Podcast, we're talking with Nader Dabin. We talk a little bit about his show, React Native Radio, his new book, React Native in Action, and how he manages it all. He's currently doing DevRel for AWS. So I take this opportunity to ask him about a couple products that he's written about, Amplify and AppSync, so that we can get a better sense of how they fit into the AWS ecosystem of products. If you wanna learn how to add authentication or GraphQL server to your application in seconds, this episode is for you. Before we dive in, I just wanna remind you that we are doing a four week free online workshop to teach you some of what is new in React, all the stuff that we've been talking about over the last handful of months. If you've been curious, but haven't had a chance to dive in, this is gonna be a great setting for you. We'll just do a quick lesson, about an hour of content and plenty of time for questions. To sign up, visit reactpodcast.com slash news, and we'll send you all the details in these coming weeks. Now, on to the show. All right, we are back with Natter Dabit today. We're going to have a really good time. How are you doing today, Natter? I'm doing amazing, and the fact that I'm on the React podcast makes it even better. I feel like I finally made it, you know, here talking <laughs> to Michael, so... <laughs> Awesome. Awesome. Well, I'm really excited to talk with you. You are, you are all over the place. Um, I was, I was doing some, doing some research to just find out like how all over the place you are, but like you, um, you have a podcast of your own. You're doing react native radio talking specifically about, uh, react native. Um, you are doing DevRel for AWS. Uh, you run a training business for react native, react native training. Um, and have even found time in all of that to author a React Native book called React Native in Action. Um, where do you where like where do you find all this time? Well, I mean, you know, pretty much every day, all day of my days are scheduled out. So I have a calendar, and I try to schedule thirty minutes for this, an hour for that. And um, you know, the key to like getting a lot of stuff done is i think scheduling stuff but also working efficiently okay so like this kind of goes along with the fact that i use react native is because i feel like react native is one of the most efficient things that you can uh, use because you're you learn react and you learn javascript and you're able to build across all these platforms that same philosophy i kind of just apply yeah. to pretty much everything i do that, <laughs> that's awesome well you're doing an impressive job because like i'm, I'm always like oh man like he's doing that too that's 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 crazy so I want to ask you a little bit about your show. Tell me about uh, React Native Radio and what you're doing over there. You've been doing it for like three years? Yes. Yeah, so we started React Native Radio, I believe, in August uh, of the year that React Native was, was actually released. Okay. So yeah, we've been doing it for over three years. React Native Radio was really the first thing I had kind of done like out in the public um, as far as like, you know, like blogging or any of that stuff. I hadn't done any of that. Um, when I started React Native Radio, it was at the you know the very beginning of React Native. I was really excited about it, and I was at React Rally, and I knew that uh, Chuck from DevChat.tv, he runs like the JavaScript Jabber podcast and all these other mm -hmm. podcasts, was going to be there, and 
I really was interested in getting into podcasting, but no one knew who I was and I wasn't really like active in the community that much. So I didn't really have a lot of like, you know, ideas of how to break into it. So I was like, uh, maybe I'll reach out to Chuck, see if he's interested in doing another podcast on his network. So I somehow, you know, managed to get a lunch with him and I sat down with him and I was like, hey, you know, what if I did a, a podcast on React Native? I did the recording, I did the editing, I did everything, and I handed you like a polished, finished episode, and you created a new show on your network for me. And, um, you know, that was my pitch. That's awesome. And he, yeah, so, and like, you know, it was a win win situation. It was win for him because he got all of this, um, you know, content created for free, basically. And it was a win for me because it kind of like, put me on a large network yeah he had uh, millions of people you know listening to his shows already it kind of was like a way for me to kind of like break into podcasting so that's kind of how that happened um he he was like you know cool let's do this um i lined up five shows i think one of our first shows was was with expo and charlie cheever believe it or not this was like in the very early days if you can imagine of expo and that was like you know the first time i had actually um spoken to someone that i was like like crazy um looked up to like charlie cheever was like you know um a hero or something like (laughs) that to me so it was really cool to to meet him and that's kind of how we started and we've been doing it ever since Uh, we do anywhere between one to four episodes a month so we're wow we're we're consistent as far as like we've been doing it for a while but we're not always consistent as far as like releasing it just depends if we have something that we feel like is worth talking about or if we have a a good string of people that want to be on the show that's awesome well I think that there's a there's a really like good nugget of of wisdom there, which is that you can kind of find your way into anything if you're willing to like do the work and uh, like offer your your work for free almost, right? Like, hey, like I'm gonna do this whole thing. Like, you just need to host it. Like, does how does that sound? Yeah, totally. And and, and if you think about like a lot of the people that are are successful they're so busy. So like putting yourself in their shoes, like how can you make their, their lives a little easier? How can you use the, um, you know, you have extra time because you're not so busy as they are and make some type of value for them. And and usually it'll work out if you can find a way to make that work for both of you. Yeah. Now I have to say, I, um, do not envy your, your job editing that show at all. That's a tremendous amount of work because I, um, I just do one-on-ones. And like part of the reason is because I tried to do like even three or like four people a couple of times and it was like a nightmare. It took me like there's this exponential curve of like how much longer it takes to edit per guest. Right, right. Well, I mean, at this point, I actually pay someone to edit and um, nice. it makes it makes it much easier. But yeah, definitely at first, um, you know. But again, when you have this much free time, it, it was it was definitely worth it. But yeah, it's definitely a, a lot of work doing a podcast in general. Um, at least at first is quite a bit of work. Um, after you've done it for a while, it gets easier though, I think. Yeah. So as far as like starting a podcast and kind of maintaining a podcast, I think you're into you're getting close to like 170 episodes. Is that right? I think we're closer to like 120. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. So how, do you have any advice for someone who has an idea for a podcast, wants to start it and you know what they should do and kind of like what work is involved in actually maintaining it if they want to kind of give it a good life? Yeah, I think the number one thing is to, to be consistent. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean you have to record every Friday or every week, but just 
at least record every month at the, at the least, but but definitely staying consistent because a lot of people get really excited about doing a podcast. They record a couple of episodes and then they just go away. And that's because after the first couple of episodes, it becomes, it's no longer like always fun. It starts becoming a little bit of work a little bit. <laughs> so like if you can get over the hump of where it starts becoming work and, and stay consistent with it, that's definitely the number one thing. And the number th- two thing, I guess, is, is uh, finding guests and going out of your way, like spending 30 minutes of your time every week looking for guests and having those guests lined up. And those two things, I think, are like the main things. The actual recording and editing, that's just typical you know, stuff that you would expect, I guess, when you're doing something like this. And um, yeah, if you can stay consistent, if you can spend the time to find guests, um, I think then you're pretty much well on your way. I use now something called Simplecast for some of my newer things that oh, I'm cool. doing around podcasting. Yeah, me too. Yeah, so it's Simplecast makes it so simple, which is <laughs> makes makes sense while they use the name, to kind of get up and running with the podcast because all you need is a uh, credit card, like $10 a month or something like that, maybe 11 and your MP3, and they like take care of the rest, literally. Yeah. They host the podcast. They put it on iTunes. They put a, a website up for you everything that you need not like not, nothing fancy but it works and it gets the job done yeah it's it's an exceptional service i i'd recommend it for anyone and i always tell people like if you can't afford the whatever it is it's like 12 i think it might have gone up recently because they did a new platform but um 12 or 15 bucks a month to like host your podcast like like don't get into it because that's like that $15 a month is like the least of the expenses that you're going to incur having a podcast. Exactly. Like, and if you're, and if you're a software engineer, um, and you're billing hourly, like $15 is like five (laughs) minutes of your time. And if you think about how much time it's saving you, it's a no brainer. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, well, I'm glad, I'm glad that we were able to talk about your show and, um, yeah, I, I totally agree with all of that. Like, one of the most amazing benefits of having a, a podcast is, at least for me, like kind of forcing me to get out of my comfort zone and approaching people like you that like I'd never met before and saying like, hey, like you're doing cool stuff. Like I want to talk with you for 40 minutes. Like, how do you feel about that? Totally. And, and, and it'll actually introduce you to people that you never would have had the opportunity to meet in the uh, were you not doing a podcast? For example, yeah. like how would I have uh, three and a half years ago gotten people like the people that were on my show to talk to me if I just reached out to them and been like, hey, will you spend an hour hanging out with me? Like <laughs> no, they probably have better things to do. Totally. But giving them a platform uh, to kind of reach the audience to, that they may have wanted to reach or talk about cool stuff, help other people out. Yeah, it definitely uh, is a door opener. And I'm very, or at least I used to be, and I still kind of am, um, introvert, introverted. Yeah. So, um, stuff like this helps you kind of get out there and, and, um, you know, talk to people and, and, uh, learn people skills, I guess you could say. (laughs) It can be challenging for some of, uh, some of us engineer types to, to really get out there and exercise those people's skills. Yeah. I think it takes practice. So (laughs) yeah, absolutely. So, um, you also wrote a book recently. Um, I believe it's react native in action with Manning. Yes, yeah, so React Native in Action, we've been writing it for uh, over a year and a half, believe it or not, but we just uh, actually have it, had it go to print. So now it's available on paperback. And it's been available f- through something called Meep, which is 
uh, the acronym for Manning Early Access Program. Okay. And you could download it. Uh, you could read it digitally. We would send updates. But now we're finally done with it. So you can actually walk into uh, Barnes & Noble or you can order Amazon um, and actually buy the physical copy. And it's pretty exciting because it's something we've – uh, that I've, I've been doing for uh, over a year and a half. So <laughs> that has to be incredibly satisfying to have put so much effort into something and now like see it in physical manifestation in stores. Yeah, it's it's really um, it feels really good. And it, it has been a lot of work, a lot more work than I actually expected. Like almost if I knew how much work it was, I may have not decided to do it, honestly, uh, because of, of the amount of time that it took. But I'm really glad I did it, and I've learned a lot. And now that I've done it, I feel confident to actually go out and do it again. And I've learned so much from the process that I feel like I can make it a, a easier process next time. Mm-hmm. But um, but yeah, I'm I'm, re- I'm really stoked about it, and um, it's been one of the the most uh, I've learned a lot out of the the uh, situation, out of the experience. Yeah. What type of process things have you learned that would be valuable going into the next book? So I, I had to go back and rewrite quite a few chapters because of the way that I had laid out some of the information was almost like a, uh, instead of it being like a tutorial, I almost wrote it as something you might see in the documentation, just a, a more polished example. Okay. But based on feedback that we've gotten from readers and based really on what, um, and I agree with this feedback, people actually like to see how to build things using the technology that they can actually uh, use in the real world. So for example, almost like um, a book that consists of a bunch of tutorials of how to actually build real applications versus this is how you build a photo picker, this is how you write a form. Like that stuff is kind of useful, but you can kind of find that stuff already on the internet. What people really value is how to actually accomplish a thing. So how to build a chat application, how to build a, you know, a game or, or whatever, like those type of things. And, and then within those tutorials, you're actually showing how to do small chunks of functionality. So after someone goes through like four or five of those, they actually have all of what they need to kind of build out yeah. full stack, uh, or not full stack, but like, you know, end-to-end applications. So that was one big thing I learned. And the other big thing I learned is when you're dealing with the publisher, um, you have to deal with a lot of people that are in the process. There's a lot of kind of like, I wouldn't say bureaucracy, but when you write a chapter, the chapter isn't finished. It goes through editing, it goes through editing again, and then it goes through <laughs> editing again, and it keeps on going through editing. So, so sometimes when you write a chapter, you, you at first you, you feel really happy. Oh, I'm done with a chapter, but then you realize you have to actually go back and kind of like um, edit that chapter multiple times, and it becomes kind of a drag. Uh, in the future, uh, I may consider uh, self-publishing mm-hmm. because of that, because I feel like um, it's just a little too much friction for me. I like to be able to have full control over something, and I feel like self-publishing would give me that opportunity. Yeah. So how did you feel about that early access program that Meep does? I think it was a really good way for us to get feedback from uh, from customers, and it was a really nice way to actually start selling copies early. Um, so I think it's a cool thing, and I think in the future for technical books, those types of uh, those types of things are going to be the ubiquitous way for people to consume books because yeah. React Native changes so often. We had to actually go back and rewrite so many things 
Uh, for example, you know, all the changes that have happened from React 15 to, to whatever we are now, um, a lot of that stuff had to be re re rewritten in the book. So if you, if you think about printing a physical, technical book, and I guess this goes back to 20 years ago. I mean, if you try to read stuff back then, none of that stuff works anyway. <laughs> so like, you know, um, like when are we going to get to the point where like we realize that physical like copy books are, are they're good for for that six month one year span if you're listening to this like a year from now you probably wouldn't want to buy the physical copy unless we've updated it you know so like i think yeah. the idea of digital copies for technical books uh is what really makes a lot of sense because we can keep them up to date yeah that is one area where it feels like there's a a lot of tension and i think you're expressing it now where you know this thing's going to be on the shelf so it needs to last as long as possible but i mean we know in this kind of javascript space I mean, things are getting like rewritten and reconsidered and improved constantly. And like, I, I can't even imagine to have spent like a year writing a book, how much of that has to get like rethought. Yeah, yeah. We've had to go back and redo almost all of the chapters. So yeah, there was there's quite a bit. And, and it's it's definitely, especially in the JavaScript space where, where we're, we're changing so quickly, things happen so fast. You know, React has been pretty, you know, to me, it's been pretty stable in general. Yeah. But but React Native, you know, we've added APIs and we've removed a couple of APIs. But in general, if you have if you have understand how React worked three years ago, you can still probably write it today. Um, React Native has uh, the changes that React went through, but also has its own changes. And, um, you know, just keeping up with all that stuff was was definitely a chore. Well, I'm excited to I'm excited to read it. I am a React Native neophyte. I have I've, <laughs> I've played around with it a little bit, just you know, for fun. And um, we have a couple apps, and I've you know played around with like React Native Web to see if we could like share components and all that kind of stuff. But um, I'll be excited to actually um, build something like going through your book. What example do you uh, do you end up going through, or do you go through a bunch? We go through a bunch of a bunch of different examples, yeah. Okay. Um, I think the one that I like the most is this Cities app because it's actually an app that I'm building right now that's going to go in the App Store that's using like a serverless backend. But basically, I do a lot of traveling, and whenever I meet someone or if I'm watching TV and I see a place that I would like to visit one day, usually it's like a restaurant because whenever I'm traveling, like my number one thing is to eat uh, good food. Oh, amen to that. <laughs> yeah. So like, like. Like I have no plans, for example, to go to Austin, Texas, but maybe I'm watching the the, TV, the the Food Network and I see this really amazing taco place in Austin. Like I want a place to file that away and then be like, next time I'm in Austin, I have this like list of places. So that's kind of what it does. And anyway, I, I basically show how to build that in React Native. But oh, cool. the reason that I think it's a good example is because it shows a lot of things that you need in a React Native app, like navigation, state management, um, passing properties uh, around, um, you know, sub views within a, a list view, um, all kinds of stuff like that. So it seems to be like a really good example. It's actually what we use also when we do some of our training uh, for some intermediate to beginner level classes. Awesome. Awesome. Tell me a little bit about your training company and what you're doing there. Oh, uh, so uh, React Native training was uh, started about two years ago, two and a half years ago now, maybe. And um, it started because we started getting people reaching out to us about training, even though that, like we didn't have a company or a website 
and it was mainly uh, me and Mike Grabowski, and, and Mike is the CEO or like the owner or the founder, I guess, of Callstack.io. Oh, cool. And Callstack is a uh, consulting company in Poland. Um, so basically, I was answering a bunch of questions on Stack Overflow, and um, I was like, you know, like one of the, I think I was the top person there on React Native. So when that, when that happens, people start reaching out to you for work and for other stuff. And one of the things that they start reaching out to me for was training. So um, after about having four or five companies reach out to me, I was like, hey, <laughs> this, there's this is a demand. There's a demand for this. So we put up a website and um, we started getting a lot of leads in. So um, that's how React Native training started. And, and basically, we, we copied almost everything that React training did because they did such a good job of it. And the, the core business model to me was open source uh, mixed with community, mixed with training. So React Training has the uh, React Router, uh, React Native Training. We had React Native Elements along with a bunch of oh, other cool. uh, repos, but React Native Elements was like our our, our main uh, source of traffic. And, um, and then we would do like two to three day uh, trainings on site with companies. We would also do boot camps where we would just pop up in New York for two days and sell uh, tickets to the public. Um, and then we did a few like online things, but uh, typically uh, we did a lot of introductory to intermediate training, I would say about 75%, and then mm -hmm. we would do about 25% advanced training. That's awesome. That's awesome. Do you, do, you, do you enjoy doing those? Do you enjoy the feedback of having uh, you know people in front of you? I do. It's it's really uh, it's really fun and it's challenging because most of the times uh, when we're doing a training, we're going into a company that has a specific use case for like why they want this, and it's not the uh, the same across uh, multiple companies. So you kind of have to tailor each training for the company, and um, so that means you have to kind of like bring a, a tailor made agenda for each company. Yeah, it's really fun because you get to travel and you get to like meet a bunch of people, but it is kind of uh, exhausting because. If you've ever uh, stood in front of a group of people and talked for two days straight, like <laughs> six hours or seven hours a day, it's definitely exhausting. So I've kind of like gotten away from doing that. We still have React Native training. We still get clients. Um, but right now, if we get clients, we actually subcontract those. So we have a few people that work as consultants for React Native training. Oh, cool. And I no longer do any of the, uh, the training for React Native training. Cool, cool. That's awesome. So... We, we've talked about this idea of using kind of like a holistic app as an example and kind of building from that space. And I know that recently on Medium, you've been writing a ton about how to do that with AWS services like Amplify and AppSync. Um, could you tell me a little bit? I, I don't know about those at all. <laughs> so could you tell me a little bit about how those fit into the kind of AWS universe of products and um, kind of what the what the goal is for those products specifically and how they help um, developers build their first applications. Yeah, so like I mentioned at the beginning, I'm really always super interested in things that I feel like increase our efficiency or increase our ability to do things with our exi existing skill set, I guess you'd say. And I think what we're seeing in the software development space in general. It's not just with AWS, but you're also seeing uh, really at a broad level, you're seeing companies that have different type of managed services mm -hmm. that allow developers to kind of build out their backends without writing a lot of traditional backend code. 
So for example, one of the first ones that I used was Auth0 for authentication. I was able to not have to build out my my authentication back in. I could just subscribe to this service that handled all of the base functionality for me. And there, therefore, when I started writing uh, prototypes or building new applications, that was one piece that I no longer had to deal with. Authentication was now kind of just taken care of uh, for me. Yeah, I subscribed to their set of APIs and I was able to do that. And then you start seeing things like Firebase, Parse for backends. Uh, we now have, of course, Okta does authentication, but there's things like Cloudinary. Uh, there's things like Algolia that do search. MongoDB has MongoDB Atlas and MongoDB um, a stitch. Uh, there's uh, all these different, basically, services. There's even machine learning and artificial intelligence that allows uh, front-end developers to kind of build out their backends without writing any backend code. And this space is, is exploding, but I think it's going to grow even more. And we're seeing the ability to kind of like build out full-stack applications using just front-end technologies and, and subscribing to, to APIs. So about a year ago, um, I was contacted by some people within AWS, actually about a year and a half ago, and they were building out Amplify at the time, and they needed some help to build out a React Native SDK as well as building out uh, actually mainly the React Native uh, prototype demo for the SDK. And um, and I was like, heck yeah, I'd love to, to try it out and um, help you guys out. And it was, you know, I just did it for free because it only took me a few hours and um, anyway, so playing around with that, I contributed to that project and I was like, I was pretty impressed because it kind of, uh, their their philosophy was like building an entire framework around that philosophy of like, uh, of building backends uh, that allow front-end developers to kind of like build out their backends without any code. So, um, so I talked to them about, you know, what's going on and they were looking for someone to kind of come in and do some um, DevRel around that stuff and also build out prototypes and build out example projects. So that's kind of how I got into that. But Amplify and AppSync are basically AWS's, or a couple of AWS's services that kind of like, uh, kind of follow that same idea of, of building out uh, backends, you know, without a lot of code. Uh, Amplify is a, it's two different things really. It's a CLI that allows you to spin up these services and it's a client library that allows you to connect to the services. Hmm. So the CLI is something like Ruby on Rails for cloud services you could think of. And the client library is uh, something that you would just uh, NPM install to your React or React Native app. And then you would uh, connect to those cloud services that you would use. Um, and then, so that's Amplify. And then AppSync is a managed GraphQL service. So if you've ever built a GraphQL application, um, if you've ever followed GraphQL in general, like people talk about GraphQL like it's you know a really awesome technology and it is, but it's not a simple thing to pick up because mm. you not only need the client to subscribe to the GraphQL specification, your backend actually also has to do that, and your backend developers need to actually implement that, and then you have to think about things like security, authentication. Uh, you have to worry about malicious queries and all this other stuff. So it's like a pretty big ordeal to kind of pick up. And and AppSync is basically takes the whole backend part of that and abstracts it away into a service, kind of like Firebase. Mm -hmm. So you're able to kind of just spin up a backend, uh, use GraphQL to interact with it because it is uh, implemented in GraphQL. And then you kind of don't really have to worry about the scalability, security, all that stuff. That's super interesting. So. Uh, so I'm feeling this out for the first time. The um, so Amplify is kind of like a 
a nice wrapper around some of the AWS services that would allow you to kind of connect um, it kind of client and backend so that you can make an app and then connect to a backend service, um, but without having to be a kind of have all of those backend skills. So does it um, also, does it include the authentication component of this as well? Yeah. So we have authentication is one big one. Uh, we have AppSync as part of uh, as an Amplify service that can be enabled. Okay. Um, serverless functions. That's a really popular one. Um, the set of services that we we allow through Amplify is around a dozen right now. Oh wow! So they're kind of they're focused on like the core use cases, like what do most people need? Uh, so database, uh, you know, APIs, authentication, um, that type of stuff. Uh, we're continually adding to it, but but essentially. Um, we kind of like have a uh, set of services that kind of that we that we kind of enable, you know, starting off. Okay, so is Amplify kind of like a subset of Amazon services dedicated to this task of making an application? Is that kind of like a decent way to think about it? I would say so. Yeah, and and, and like it's part of like our team is also kind of known as AWS Mobile. So we have mm. we used to be focused only on mobile, but now we're kind of getting into just client this client space in general mm-hmm. and one of our fastest growing uh, spaces is actually front-end uh, developers that are writing web applications oh cool so we're kind of not really trying to classify ourselves as mobile um, just mobile anywhere uh, anymore but we're just trying to enable like developers to like build out these type of applications you know using uh, their existing skill set i guess that's kind of the main way i would kind of frame it yeah um you know we have push notifications though for web and for uh, mobile um, we do, we enable chatbots. We have a way to do storage for things like media, images, videos, and stuff like that. We even have a way to build out AR and VR scenes into your web and mobile apps using Sumerian. Whoa! But Amplify kind of is the uh, the wrapper that like allows you to bring in your scenes. Gotcha. That's that's amazing. That helps clarify it for for me a little bit. Um, one thing that's always been a little challenging for me with AWS cloud services is that they are like they're so many of them <laughs> yes there are and 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 even like someone that works there like myself i don't even try to know all of them i kind of have a subset of them that i try to focus on and specialize in i'm aware of of most of them but i probably wouldn't be if, if someone asked me a question about a lot of them i would not be able to give them an answer i'd have to find someone that knows the answer <laughs> So I like this. So Amplify is kind of this wrapper around the handful of them that are most important for um, doing mobile and some front end web development. Yeah, that's that's a good way to, uh, to categorize or to kind of like put it. And um, and like one of the main, you know, things that we're trying to accomplish is to allow developers to do everything from the command line. Yeah. So not ever having to go into the console at all. So even though like you're creating those services from your command line and you can then go into the console and play around with them and view them, Mm -hmm. um, the configurations that are happening locally, we'd like to enable all of the configurations that are available in the console to be all done through the command line. So your entire workflow stays the way that you normally would have it. Like you don't really ever when you're developing uh, locally, for example, your your React app, and you have like a local database, uh, maybe a JSON object, for example. Mm-hmm. You don't really have to like leave. Like we want to be able to keep you where you are and be able to do everything. That's that that's awesome. So speaking of the uh, developer environment, does um, 
does Amplify help you kind of marry that? I know that one thing that's kind of challenging about uh, serverless is, you know, your application lives up in the cloud and sometimes mirroring that locally can be difficult. Um, Does Amplify help you with that as well? So right now we allow you to do some testing locally. Um, We have a way to like invoke Lambda functions and to work with a lot of the context that would be available in a typical API call. Okay. Um, the, the biggest challenge right now for, uh, for most developers and for me is working with AppSync locally. Um, there isn't a way to test your GraphQL API locally. Right now you have to, um, you can test out different operations, of course, locally, but you can't run a um, test locally without actually it hitting your real API. Sure. So we're trying to like create a local testing environment. So that's actually something that we uh, are currently investigating and maybe working on. So I would look out for something around that uh, in the next few months. But um, but yeah, everything that you typically would need to do to test out stuff locally, we have a lot of that stuff built in, but we're looking to kind of improve that story and polish a lot of stuff up over the next uh, six or six or so months, I'd say. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, if people want to learn more about this, um, I know that you've been writing a lot about it, doing a lot of interviews and and, and talks. Um, what are some really great resources for um, getting started with this serverless approach to building out the back end of your, your apps? So there's the AWS Amplified Docs. So it's um, if you just go to aws amplified.github.io or just Google AWS Amplify. That's the main uh, set of resources I'd check out. But I also keep up a couple of repos in my own GitHub that are like the awesome repos. <laughs> so awesome AWS Amplify and awesome AWS AppSync. I kind of take all of the different uh, resources like blog posts and videos that I've created, but also that the community has created and that or or if someone speaks at a conference or something like that, I'll try to get all those videos and have all that kind of in one place. So you can go through and pretty much get um, examples of how to do most things, I guess you would say at this point by looking at those two repos. That's awesome. That's awesome. Cool. Well, I think that's good. Is there anything else that you want to kind of say at the end of this or like, you know, resources that you want to point us to or advice that you want to drop on us? I would say the one thing we didn't really go over is the uh, open GraphQL uh, publication that I'm that I've been managing lately and it's on Medium. And basically it's um, a GraphQL um, publication on Medium that allows anyone that's interested in blogging about GraphQL to kind of contribute to. So if you're interested in learning about GraphQL, check out our posts there. We have posts from everything from Prisma to, to Apollo to Asura awesome. to just anything. Like uh, we're trying to get you know a bunch of different uh, topics there. So if you're interested in reading or contributing, check out Open GraphQL. And then also if you're interested in GraphQL, I've started another podcast called the GraphQL Patterns Podcast. Oh, cool. We've done around uh, eight episodes so far. And we're, we're doing one to two episodes a month there. So um, we've had some really good shows so far. So if you're interested in GraphQL, and we're, we're really, it's a really technical podcast, so we have a lot of technical talk on there. If you're interested in that type of stuff, definitely uh, check it out. Dude, if you if you weren't impressed with you at the the beginning of the show, uh, you just gave us two more pretty big reasons to be now. <laughs> so how do um, how do people find you? How do people uh, discover uh, the the new things that you're uh, you're working on now? And you know, uh, probably the next ten things that you'll you'll decide to take on before the year is over. 
I think Twitter seems to be my platform of choice for hanging out and talking to people. So if you have any questions, you can uh, reach out to me at DM there. My DMs are open. You can follow me, and, and I usually tweet a couple of times a day about stuff that I'm interested in. Cool. And it's uh, at Dabit3. Is that right? Yes. I'm sorry. At Dabit3 on Twitter. I'm also on Medium at Dabit3. I blog a lot. And I'm also on GitHub at Dabit3. I have over 200 repos there. Um, nice. A lot of stuff that I play with. I usually push up the code when I'm done. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, well, Natter, thank you so much for your time today. This was super educational for me. Obviously, I didn't know much of any about these services beforehand, but I'm excited to kind of dive in. Uh, I'm looking forward to uh, getting a copy of your book and, uh, and and learning more about React Native there. Um, so yeah, thanks so much for your time today. Yeah, thanks for having me on. It was really great. So check out more from uh, Natter. Um, all of the resources that he has mentioned today, we will put in the show notes. Um, and uh, yeah, so you'll be able to level up real strong over the next couple of weeks. Uh, Natter, thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks, friends, for listening to this episode of React Podcast. You can find show notes at reactpodcast.com slash 44. Join us next week for a really fun episode with Michael Jackson. He comes back to the show to talk with us about versioning and why it's not as simple as it seems. This episode was edited by Mikhail Delport. It was edited and produced by Mikhail Delport and Sarah Jackson at Spec FM. Spec FM is a network designed to help you level up in your career, whether that be design or development. To find a list of all the shows that they offer, visit spec.fm. Reviews of this show are always appreciated on iTunes and the like. You can help us help other developers level up simply by leaving a review and letting us know what you think and what you'd like to see in the upcoming episodes of this show. There are so many ways to chat with us. You can find us on Twitter at React Podcast or me on Twitter at Chantastic. Chat with us on Spectrum at reactpodcast.com slash chat. Or if you prefer email, sign up at reactpodcast.com slash news. That's all I have for today. We'll be in your ears again next week. Thank you.